Benji Horowitz writes, and I'm glad he brought this up. And maybe this is an off-season pod, but let's touch on it now. I may have put a poll out earlier this morning on X or whatever Elon's calling Twitter these days, in which I simply asked a question, very simple question. I said to everybody out there, who had the better Met tenure, Tom Glavin or Max Scherzer? And as of this pod, we received over 7,000 votes, and it was a blowout. Tommy Glavin has a rare Met victory, 60% to 40% that he had a better Met tenure. Benji's pissed. (laughs) Enough with the recency bias. Scherzer is not this colossal failure you seem to make it. I won't pretend it's this success story either, but my main point is the following. Tom Glavin was so much worse than Max Scherzer that it actually hurts that you would mention them in the same sentence. I'm going to argue with Benji, but I want to get all his points out there because he wrote a nice, good email, and I respect it. Even forgetting that Glavin killed the Mets so much more than Scherzer off the Mets, here are the numbers. As a Met, winning percentage, 690 for Scherzer, 521 for Glavin. ERA, 302 for Scherzer, 397 for Glavin. ERA plus, 131 for Scherzer, 107 for Glavin. Whip, 102 for Scherzer, 137 for Glavin. And he goes through all these numbers, by the way, in which Scherzer destroys him. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but as we all know, I mean, we, we know Scherzer's numbers defeat Tom Glavin. And since you love big games, let's talk big games. Scherzer failed in the only two games I can possibly describe as big. Atlanta and San Diego last year. Let's be real. The Mets haven't played objectively big games this year, so he's 0 for 2. Glavin, granted, pitched two really good games in the playoffs, but he was a disaster in game five of the 06 NLCS, and he failed miserably in not just the last game of the season in 07, but he got lit up three times in the seven up with 17 to play collapse. Look it up. September 20th, 25th, and of course the 30th, he got absolutely shelled. Neither was good in a big spot, but the overarching numbers are so skewed toward Scherzer that it isn't even a comparison. And also, tell your WFAN producer to read some history. Oh, he's going after you now. To read some history on the worst free agent signings of all time. Scherzer isn't in the top 10. Sincerely, Tommy. Oh, that was he's Tommy. Go, that wasn't he's going you? to Tommy. No, because I think I saw this guy attack him on Twitter as well. Because Tommy okay. put out Max Scherzer, the worst signing in history of Mets, of Mets uh, worst free agent Mets signing of all his time, and he goes Jason Bay. So I understand that. But I, but really quickly, I know you're going to yeah, dive yeah. in. I just do have to rebut, rebut one thing. Go. Max Scherzer was here for 42 games. It was a year and a half. Yes, his numbers looked great, but Glavin had a lot more history here. He was he he did better earlier on, if I'm correct. He wasn't if Scherzer continued out this contract for the next two years, his trajectory is so bad, it wouldn't have got it would have got worse. I'm sorry. Yeah, so the numbers aren't close. And I know that. I didn't need Benji to tell me that, but I'm glad he did, because I get it and I, I understand where he's coming from. And anyone who voted for Max Scherzer would come from. The numbers are not close. But The one big difference in numbers is what you just laid out, and that's the fact that Tom Glavin, and I can't believe this is going to turn into a defense of Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin took the baseball every five days, 
And he did it for five consecutive seasons. And age-wise, he did it at the same age. Tom Glavin was 37 years old when the Mets signed him in 2003. So he was here at age 37, 38, 39, 40, and 41. He was here for a while. And age-wise, contract's a little bit different, obviously. But age-wise, it was the same thing. It's not like the Mets signed Tom Glavin when he was 31, 32 years old. And Glavin made every start. Tom Glavin had three years in which he threw 200 innings. A different era, a very different era, even though it's only been, you know, 20 years, but it is a different era. I think that it goes back to the old debate. Would you rather have a guy who pitches far less, but is better, or a guy who pitches far more, but is more mediocre? And Tom Glavin was no doubt about it, a mediocre New York Met. He took the ball every five days. He had some good performances. He had a lot of bad performances. He also had a career that was sandwiched with horrific performances. His first game as a Met, opening day 03, got shelled by the Cubs. His last game, final game of 07, he got shelled by the Marlins. But he did, and this is the big thing, Benji. And by the way, who was the worst Met? It's actually very close. And I do agree that if you take the recency bias away, I think a couple of years from now, we're going to say Glavin was worse. I do. But in terms of this argument being closer than Benji gives it credit for, Glavin had some good performances in a big spot, like he pointed out. Max didn't. There isn't one. And to simply say there's only two, here's why there isn't only two. A part of why the Mets sold this year is because Max Scherzer crapped the bed in big spots, whether it was the game in Atlanta whether it was the game against the Yankees up 5-1 or even the game against the Red Sox a week ago. You could argue if that game against Boston goes differently and the Mets win that series in Boston. Maybe they don't sell. I don't know. Maybe that one game changes everything. So I disagree with the point that he's simply 0 for 2. He's a reason why this team was forced to sell players off. I think this argument is better during the offseason because that recency bias that Benji's right about will slowly go away. And let me ask Benji this, and I want him to write me back on this, or we could pop him on the podcast. He seems like a good uh, Med fan. Where's Glavin in terms of free agent signings? Like, if we analyzed Tom Glavin, the free agent signing, the years, the money, how he pitched, do we view him as a good free agent signing? Do we view him as an atrocious free agent signing? Do we view him as a mediocre free agent signing? Like, How do we view, it's been 20, 20 years now, well, since they signed him, how do we view Tommy Glavin as a free agent signing? You're obviously right. Max Scherzer and Tom Glavin are not going down as the worst free agent signing in the history of the New York Mets. The worst is a little bit too strong. But time will... I think give us a better feeling for all of this. <laughs> I do. It it'll, might it'll be, help clear it up a little bit in our minds. It might go down. He might go down as the most chaotic signing. I mean, he was here for a year and a half, and it was the ups and downs of the, this year and a half were pretty outrageous for for even a Mets level. Yeah, I, I also don't think you can look at the numbers twenty and nine, three oh two ERA, and have that be your guide. It shouldn't be. And Benji watches the Mets. He knows those numbers don't actually represent what he was as a New York Met. There is a lot more context to what he was as a New York Met. We also may view him differently. Believe it or not, 
because I do think the way we view things, it's kind of, it's interesting the way, the way we end up viewing things sometimes. If Acuna becomes a star, hear me out on this. If he becomes a legitimate star and that trade is viewed as a steal, you know, Scherzer goes to Texas. Who cares what he does there? Assuming they don't win a World Series. And Acuna next year's up here. He wins Rookie of the Year. And he goes on and has a really good 10-year career. We'll view Scherzer more positively. Because all of a sudden, it'll turn to he waived the no trade. He was willing to move. and not, not that he'll get most of the credit for it. Cohen will. And I guess to a degree, Billy Epler will. But I do think where this goes from here will also help tell us the legacy of Max Scherzer's time with the New York Mets. But no Mets fan has a positive view towards Scherzer. When he comes back as a Texas Rangers later this year, after they play the uh, highlight video, the welcome back video, he will certainly get uh, booed rather loudly. Anyhow, as far as the baseball is concerned, the Saturday night game was infuriating because Carlos Carrasco was so bad that Reed Garrett, by the way, didn't look that bad. He wasn't awful. The Met bullpen actually did a good job until the ninth inning. They're down eight to one and they kept the game close. You know, we saw Lindor start to get hot and he built on that into Sunday. We saw Alvarez go deep, which is nice to see. Vientos has looked pretty good offensively. So it was an ugly game, mainly because Carlos Carrasco was just flat out non-competitive and the defense was lousy starting with Vientos. But it was good to see them respond on Sunday. Verlander throws a hell of a game. Lindor with a three-hit game. And that meant a lot to me. And I'll tell you why. Today was my day. Sunday was my day as a season ticket holder to have my son go on the field with a player, which is a, a cool thing that they have for season ticket holders. So Jets asking me, who am I going to get to go on the field with? I said, I have no idea. Last year was Mark Canna. Canna was a great dude. And signed him the autograph and told him to try hard when he plays Little League and all that. So this year we get the city field and the ticket rep looks at my son and says, well, you're going out the shortstop. And he was pumped up. He was going to get to meet Francisco Lindor. And my son, who knows uh, quite a bit of Spanish, said, I'm going to speak Spanish to him. I said, go ahead. Let's see you do it. <laughs> and he went out there and apparently... As Lindor got the shortstop, this is what Jet tells me. Jet said to Francisco, I know Spanish. And Lindor's like, that's great. Como esta? And Jet was like, muy bien. <laughs> and then they had a full conversation, which Jet has still not told me about. So I don't know what they talked about. But it was cool to then see Lindor come out and have a three-hit game and hit a home run. So not only does Jet get to meet him, get the autograph baseball, and the Mets win, but Lindor had a really good game. Lindor. Forget him as a baseball player for a second. And I've seen this long before today, long before the experience my son got. He is one of the most fan-friendly guys I've ever seen. Yankee Stadium the other day pulls up to a kid, hands him a baseball, signs every autograph he could see. He also signs autographs before every game. One of the only guys I've ever seen do this. Uh, it's on the third base line. So if you ever go to City Field, check it out. It's on the third base line about... Eight minutes before the game, Lindor will try to sign as many autographs as he can. So take away your opinions on him as a baseball player and the money he's making. This is a dude that puts the kids first. So kudos to Francisco Lindor. And selfishly, it was very cool to see him play as well as he did on the day my son got to meet him. So that was kick-ass. No, that's that's really cool. By the way, I think that like, you know, 
Lindor gets such a bad rap for so many other things. On the field, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, he hasn't – has he lived up to the contract as far as his, uh, you know, power numbers, batting average, whatever. Overall, like, I really think he's done a great job. Like, I really can't sit there and complain about what he's done so far as a Met. He he also comes across, and I, I make clear comes across because I'm not in the locker room to know if this is 100% true, but from what we see, from – the way after at bats, he goes right over to Pete Alonso and gets into his face as far as, hey, expect this, expect that. He comes across like the leader of the team. You know, I remember a while ago on your guy's show, Tiki and Tierney, when they asked you who's the leader of the team. And I obviously I work with Tiki now, and it was brought up last week, and I said, the leader of the team's Lindor. I don't think there's any question. He's the leader of the team. And, and over the last few days, and really the last few weeks and months, leadership has been blamed as the reason why this season has gone sideways. I I don't believe that's fair. I don't believe that's the reason. I think sometimes we look for, we look for answers on why things go so badly. And that has been kind of the the main talking point. It's come from a lot of places. You know, we talked about the Steve Gelb's comment from the other day, even Ron Darling saying everyone's not pulling on the same rope. And unless there are specifics to this that has not been expressed, I don't fully buy it. I see a team that's just completely underachieved. That's what I see. I see guys from top to bottom who have had just bad bad years. But I do I do think Lindor is the leader of the team. That's the impression I get. As far as what's next, what's next is the Kansas City Royals. And what's next is that the Mets are five games under 500. And they've got to go to Kansas City and they got to sweep them. And I don't really care who's on the team. I don't care if Tommy Pham is gone, Mark Hanna's gone. They got to find a way to beat the Royals three straight games. They've got Quintana scheduled to pitch Tuesday, which is fascinating because the Mets' next game is Tuesday night, and it is two hours after the trade deadline. So if Quintana's traded, he ain't starting Tuesday. And Verlander even made the comment, I'm glad I'm not pitching Tuesday because I don't think he wanted to prepare for a start while also you know, getting phone calls about waiving his no-trade clause. But around here, Because I am a diehard fan. I think most people listening are diehard fans. I don't give up until I'm told it's over. So the hyperbolic comments I make as a fan, such as, we're done, we're not making the playoffs, that's opinion. Yeah, my opinion is the Mets are not making the playoffs. That's an opinion. That doesn't mean I stop viewing the Mets in the prism of how can they make the postseason. Because I'm always going to view it that way. So at 50 and 55, with 57 games left in the season, you bet your ass, I'm still watching every game, hoping for that miracle. We're babies of miracles, are we not? We were birthed to learn about miracles, whether it was 1969 or 1973. So I'm not looking at Tuesday night saying, I don't care if the Mets win or not. Of course I give a damn if they win or not. Now, I also want to see them develop young players, so Ronnie Mauricio's ass better be in Kansas City. I read Tommy Pham's not going to Kansas City because he knows he's going to get traded. That's great. Ronnie Mauricio should be on an effing plane to Kansas City because this new post-deadline Mets better feature every young player getting the most amount of at-bats humanly possible. So that means Mark Vientos every day. That means Brett Beatty every day. That means Ronnie Mauricio 
every single day. Uh, we will schedule a pod for after the game on Tuesday night, okay, no matter what. So, yeah, there'll be some thoughts on the game, but it'll mostly be a post-trade deadline mortem. And the reason I'm waiting until after the game is I I think it's stupid to record something like that or talk about something like that during the Met game or even before the Met game. Not that we would have time for that. I'm on the air till 6.30. And it'll give us a few hours to let it digest. So if you're looking for that podcast, it's probably going to be really early Wednesday morning, but we'll certainly put it out Tuesday night after the trade deadline and after the Mets open the series in Kansas City against the Royals. One thing I have to ask you, because you just said that you, you know, you're a Met fan. You, we live off of these moments. We live off of the, you got to believe type of thing. In your mind, what are you counting down right now? Are you counting towards like, how many more wins do the Mets need to make to the playoffs? Are you counting down? Because what's like? It's, there's got to be a magic number somewhere. Is it 40 wins? Is it we have 17 losses left in the season? Like, what? What? Which one are you counting towards? Games behind. Simple as that. Games behind. Obviously, you want to get to 500. That's you know priority number one because I still think we live in a world in which you have to get above 500 if you want to make the postseason. But right now, the Mets are at 55 losses. They are six games behind multiple teams in the National League wildcard race. The Phillies are at 49 losses. The Brewers are at 49 losses. The Marlins are at 49 losses. The Giants are right around there. So I am, as a fan, and by the way, I know plenty of people listening saying you're delusional, you're this, you're that. It's not delusion. It's not like I think they're going to make the playoffs. It's that I don't just give up. And I think you made a great point earlier, Pete. If by some miracle, by some fluke, the Mets make the postseason. I'm not one to just jump back on a ship. Like, I'm here. We're on the ship together. We're watching. I also think, and not to question anybody's fandom, but don't you lose something if you check out for months and then hop back in? I would assume you don't get that same satisfaction of watching a team. But in terms of they got to get to this amount of wins or they can't lose this amount of games, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's strictly how many games behind are they for a playoff spot. And right now, they've been stuck at six games out in terms of the loss column. And I want to get that bad boy down to three. Because I think once you're down to three, you're in a race. And that's where I hope the Mets can go. But it's certainly not going to be easy. It's certainly not something I expect. I think there's a better chance they finish under 500 than above 500. So, trust me. I'm not losing sight of reality. I'm just a stupid fan. That's all I am. So expect a pod Tuesday and a Wednesday, and then obviously after the Royal Series. And even though I'm going on vacation in two weeks, I'll be potting from the beach. Hoffman loves those, right? Go sit by the beach, talk Mets cubbies. Yeah, let's be serious. By the way, uh, we we someone recommended the like the drunk Hoff. We need a drunk Evan and Hoff podcast because Done. I think I think these these later season games. That's what's going to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will agree to that. Since I'm going on vacation, not this upcoming week, but the week after, and I'm on the beach with the family, there will be a night uh, whenever the Cubs series ends. I think it ends on a Thursday. Maybe I will. You know what? No, no, no. The series before that. The weekend series that they play in Baltimore. Okay, so I'm, I, I just started the vacation. And I'm actually going Friday. I'm going to the Orioles game Friday. Yank Mets Orioles. <laughs> it's on the way. We're going down to North Carolina. It's on the way. Um, Sunday night after the Met Orioles series, I will uh, drink a bunch of frozen drinks, which I'm going to do anyway. And I will definitely do Sunday night. We can plan it now. Drunk Rico. 
Are you going to join me? Are you going to drink too? Oh, oh yes, of course. I think right. I created the drunk Rico. You did. <laughs> it's your baby. <laughs> All right, so we can start advertising it now. One week from today. All right, because we're recording this on Sunday. It's the first ever edition of Drunk Rico. I love it. I'm excited. It's a great idea, Pete. Who's better than you? <laughs> I have no idea. Many people, trust me. <laughs> well, thank you very much for downloading and listening. I'll be with Tiki 2 o'clock on the fan all week long, or most of the week long, because I'm taking Friday off to go down to Baltimore <laughs> to see Mets Orioles, to go to Pickles Pub, to watch a baseball game, because it's on the way to North Carolina. It's the only reason I'm going down there. Uh, but enjoy the week and enjoy the trade deadline. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.